Hey everyone, Mario Selenas here. Welcome to Wisdom's Echo Origin Gates Daily Podcast. Delighted to be with you again for story time. Many years ago, when our children were still young, Danielle and I got into the hobby, which ended up becoming a small business, of collecting and eventually trading in the markets um, antique marbles. The marbles that we used to play with as kids except ones that are very collectible and for which there is a significant market if you can find that niche and we did and it all started with uh, getting a book at an antique shop one time about marbles because i used to play marbles when i was young and when i read this book and i looked at all the images that they had of the marbles i was fascinated i've never seen marbles like this it was primarily the antique German made hand blown marbles in an in an area called Lausha in Germany. That's where they made many, if not most of the antique marbles in the 1800s and all the way up until the early 1900s, they were producing hand blown marbles there. And there's another category of collectible marble, which is the early American marbles that were machine made in the early 1900s, late 1800s, early 1900s up until 1920, primarily um, by, by two or three main companies that produced them. And so this book had all these different marbles in it and some of them were absolutely gorgeous. So I was, I was fascinated by it. And then one day, Danielle and I happened to be in an antique shop where they had a bag of marbles. It was a dirty bag. It looked like it had been sitting on a shelf for many years and when I looked inside that bag, I saw many of those marbles that I had seen in the book. And that's what got us started because what we had found was well over a thousand dollars worth of marbles that we bought for $50 because that's what the antique shop wanted for that bag of marbles. And so that's what got us started. And then we, we basically learned to keep the best and sell the rest. And over the next 10 years or so, established a very, very significant collection of marbles both in worth and beauty and we traded a lot of them in on eBay and other platforms and antique shows and marble shows and for many years that supplemented the income of our family uh, we no longer do that we don't even collect marbles anymore because we got into other asset classes and other types of collecting if you would but there's an incident that happened during my years of collecting marbles that remains with me to this day and is one of the most significant tests that I had ever been been through. It had to do with a man that I came into relationship with when I put an ad in a local paper in which I offered to sell uh, some of my marbles. I said marbles for sale. Um, I have a, 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 a significant collection and I had gotten so many of what I would get rid of marbles after keeping the very best ones that I wanted, uh, that I would find in the different books and that I would find to be very, very collectible. And I wanted to get rid of jars of marbles that were not worth much, five, 10 cents a marble. So I would put them in a jar and sell them for $20 or $30 or something like that. <clears throat> so those are the kinds of things that I put up for, uh, for sale in this, in this uh, local paper ad. And this gentleman, who was a mechanic and a very high-end mechanic. He worked on, on large, large equipment, including ships and things like that. He, um, he came over, I was a youth pastor at the time in a, in a church, and 
he came up to my office and I had all the marbles beautifully displayed and and I could tell this man cost there wasn't an issue he had a lot of money and he was willing to spend it on marbles he'd been collecting for at that time 25 years and what what happened he bought some marbles from me that day and bought many marbles from me over time and eventually ended up selling some marbles for him on commission because I'd established the pathways through which I would sell marbles and he didn't want to be bothered because he was busy with what he was doing so he just paid me a percentage of commission for selling his marbles but he had very very nice things so <clears throat> over time we developed a friendship and we are still friends to this day we get together several times a year and have really deep meaningful conversations he's much older than me but a, a beautiful man he's I think he's, he's near 80 years old now and he he never invited me to his house the first I would say the first five years of us doing business together even while I was selling for him he he was very very guarded very careful about who saw what he had he lived in the woods he lived in the uh, you know off the beaten path a house that was isolated from other properties so he was aware that if somebody knew what he had in that house, uh, which was a lot, a lot of marbles and other collectible things that he could be a target of for theft or burglary and that sort of thing, or even a home invasion. So he was very careful, he and his wife and very, very reclusive about where they lived and what they had. But after five years, I called him one day and I told him I had a particular marble that was a very special marble that I was willing to trade for other marbles. I told him I don't need money right now I just want to trade it for more marbles so so he said and what he would normally tell me is I'm on my way now to see it especially this particular marble if you need to know what that is I can tell you it was a Christensen agate guinea look that up it's absolutely stunning they go for about four to six hundred dollars each that's just the regular clear glass and when you get into colored glass that these might be on the, the costs go up astronomically. So this was an amber glass guinea uh, from Christensen Agate. <clears throat> and, and just as a side note, the reason why those marbles from Christensen Agate are so valuable, the man who made those marbles and, and the chemist basically who came up to with those designs and mixing of the colors is such to produce the marbles that Christensen Agate produced in the late 1800s, early 1900s, died without telling anyone his secret and whatever he produced is what's out there and no one has been able to properly and um, and and um, I should say adequately reproduce a Christensen agate marble <clears throat> his name was Arnold Fiedler so uh, so anyway those marbles are very very valuable and the Christensen agate guinea is one of the most precious marbles in the marble collecting world so I had one and I wanted to trade it so he said uh, let me give you my address come to my house and I was shocked and I said your house I I said man I can't and he said no I, I want you to come to my house after five years of doing business with you I totally trust you I want you to come it was such an honor I went home I told Danielle I said Danielle I'm heading over to our friends I said the name I'm going over we're gonna we're, we're, I'm gonna do some business with him and I'll be back soon she said you're going to his house so we were both so surprised by that so I went I found the house in the woods uh, beautiful home when I walked into the house <clears throat> there were jars full of the kinds of marbles I had been collecting the ones I was keeping 
lining up the entire windowsill on a shelf that he had built above the windows over all his windows and creating such beautiful color in the room as the light was hitting the marbles. Uh, I'm talking thousands and thousands of dollars worth of marbles just in the living room before you even go into his secret place. He had a room off of his bedroom. It was a secret room that uh, there was a door that looked like a closet door, but when you open it, it opened up into this whole vault where he had all his marbles. And he actually brought me into their bedroom, which was lined with marbles everywhere and other collectible things. And then he said, and my good ones are in here. So I'd already seen tens of thousands of dollars worth of stuff and we hadn't even gone into his collection yet. So when we went into the room where he had his, his special marbles, it was like going into Solomon's Mines, right? It was absolutely phenomenal. There's no way to describe adequately or to express what a mind-blowing experience that was. For somebody that was nickel and diming, selling a few here, buying a few there like me, to see a collection that was that established. And probably one of the greatest collections to this day in 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 this nation in america um so and it has grown significantly th since then so he um he he opened the room he let me in showed me and and we had one rule and he told me that rule from the beginning and i knew it and we still do it to this day before we leave each other's place we empty our pockets to prove that there's nothing in because a marble is something very easy to snag and even though we trust each other we wanted to make sure that we have this accountability with each other. So we always, I actually would always flip my pockets inside out while I was at his place, looking like, like a hobo really going through his house because I wanted my pockets to be showing that there was nothing in them, just out of accountability and to make sure there was never any question. But something happened that day that tested my integrity. And it's a, it's a sad story that ends in, in a good story, and which is why I'm sharing it. But I showed him the guinea and he said he liked the guinea. He was willing to, uh, to trade for it. And he said, I will trade one jar of marbles with you. You pick which jar you want. I'll have to look at it, make sure there's nothing really rare in it. And then I will, I will, I will trade that guinea for a jar of marbles of your choosing. Because I was amazed at these jars with collectible marbles in them. So I started looking at jars and I was turning the marbles around to be able to see without pouring them out on the bed or, or on a table. I was able to just kind of get an idea of the value that was inside. And in this one particular uh, jar, I happened to see behind a bunch of marbles I was twirling around in the jar, I saw a blue glass, what is known as a blue glass handmade German Latticino marble. Now, a Latticino marble is not a rare marble in and of itself. It's beautiful. It has sort of like a lattice work inside that twirls and twists inside the middle and the core of the marble. But then it has swirls on the outside of that lattice. And that's why it's called the Latticino. But if it's in clear glass, you're talking $25 to $50, depending on the size and the condition. But if you get any Latticino in colored glass, then the, the rarity of the marble increases exponentially. And, and the rarest of all colored glass for a Latticino is a blue Latticino. I've only seen one in my whole life, and it was in that jar. And when I saw the blue Latticino in the jar, it, I realized he must not have seen that because he would have put it in his, in his vault. He would have not kept that marble in that jar. 
So what I did, and this is the weak part, and this is the part that I'm, I'm being very vulnerable to share, is I turned the marbles to where they hid the Latticino so he wouldn't see it. And then I said to him, I want this jar. Would you be willing to trade this jar for, for the guinea? So he took the jar and twirled the marbles around a little bit, kind of superficially, didn't really give it the attention I had given it and didn't see the Latticino because I had turned the marbles in such a way that they would hide it. And he said, yeah, sure, that's a good deal. And he gives me the jar and he takes the Latticino and in the, mo I'm sorry, the, the, the guinea. And in the moment that transaction had happened, I was convicted like I had not been convicted in many, many years about anything. I knew I had sinned. And I was, I felt terrible. And I, this man trusted me after five years. And it's not like I was stealing from him and that I was reaching in to grab something because my pockets were inverted, as I described earlier. However, I did see something that I knew he would not have traded for that guinea. I saw something that I knew was very rare and it was not ethical for me to have hid it the way I did so that he doesn't see it as he examines what he was about to trade for the guinea. And when I got the, the jar and I held it in my hand, um, you know, we looked at more marbles and I had this terrible feeling the whole time from that moment on until the rest of my visit. And when I got back in my car, I looked at the jar, I looked at the house, I evaluated everything that had happened and I decided I can't do this. I, I cannot lose this man's trust. So I went back to the house and I knocked on the door and I said, I said, my friend, when I, when I got in my car and this was a lie, but I had to fix the mistake I made. I said, when I got in my car, I twirled the marbles in such a way where I saw a marble that I don't think you would have traded for the guinea. He's like, you did? I said, yeah, look at it. So he takes the jar and looks at it and digs in and fishes out the blue Latticino. And he says, oh, absolutely not. Oh my goodness, I didn't even know I had one like this. No, 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 I cannot trade this for the guinea. Thank you so much, he said, for being so honest to come back and, and tell me that. Oh, if only he had known how dishonest I had been to get us even to that moment, right? So when I went, when I went in my car, after basically getting something else for the for the guinea and I, I actually took a beating for it because I took a, a lower value than I would have because I felt it was my penance to myself for what I had done when I went back to my car I felt like Yahweh said to me because you made this mistake right I will prosper you but if you had not you would have failed miserably in this endeavor and since then, I've had an opportunity to talk to my friend to tell him actually what happened that day because he has read many of my books. He's followed my ministry and he always hails me as somebody of great integrity and wisdom. So I had to tell him about this moment of weakness that I had. And he was profoundly impacted by it years later, about about 15 years later, actually, I told him that story. And we have a wonderful relationship. And, and even recently, he said, my wife and I are getting older. And if anything ever happened to us, I already gave instructions that you are the one to, to speak at, at our funerals. We don't have relationship with any ministers or churches. And we completely trust you. And what you did back then, he said, is life-changing for me. So I wanted to share that story and, and to say that these kinds of tests come about 
uh, every so often in our lives. And it's so easy to be blinded by greed, to try to get ahead by, by cutting corners, by doing something unethical. But I can tell you wholeheartedly, it is not worth it. Don't ever cheat. And if you are tested as such, overcome that temptation with the righteousness of Christ that is within you. I bless you today and until we meet again, let us remain in Yahweh's love. Shalom.